reluctantly crouched at the starting line engines pumping and thumping in time the green light flashes the flags go up churning and burning they yearn for the cup they deftly maneuver and muscle for rank fuel burning fast on an empty tank reckless and wild they pour through the turns their prowess is potent and secretly stern as they speed through the finish the flags go down the fans get up and they get out of town the arena is empty except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can the sun has gone down and the moon has come up and long ago somebody left with the cup but he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick. Got a lot to get to today. It's our mailbag episode, so we'll, we won't delay that too much. We have to talk about Devontae Freeman, uh, clean up the uh, the Bears game a lot. But Justin, how are you doing, and how is that kidney stone still not passed? <laughs> it might have disintegrated at this point, but the last time that I thought it might have passed and I didn't feel it, a couple days later, oh, I felt it. The day before the Giants game was really rough. Thank God we weren't playing on that Sunday that we played on Monday night last week. But I haven't felt it since the day before our first game. So, um, fingers crossed. Hopefully it disintegrated or hopefully it's just in me and it just stays in me and it just doesn't move for the rest of my life. Bobby Skinner, how are you doing? Doing all right. Um, you know, you know how it goes. Sunday sucks. Monday you clean stuff up. Tuesday you find the positives. Um, and that's just that's just a never-ending cycle. Devontae Freeman is on the team. We'll talk about that a lot. I actually went and watched him and liked it. You know, I probably I say I probably sit do that too much, but nonetheless, like that. <laughs> so yeah, want to get into this mailbag voicemail? Let's get into this mailbag voicemail. We got a lot of breakdown. Very excited for this show. Think we have a, a good mix of. Uh, I have some simple stats. I'm not going to get too complicated tonight. Um, with also some like backed up with film. So. I'm excited for this show. We got a lot of... Also, shout out to everybody that left the question. Really good questions today. That's why I'm mostly excited. All right. Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. First question is going to be from Topher Pete. And that question is going to be, do you see us moving around some guys around the offensive line? And how do you feel about the Giants looking to add Devonta Freeman to the team, which they did, Bobby Skinner, one-year deal, $3 million? All right, so the Giants signed Devontae Freeman. Um, as we're recording this, it's a one-year deal up to $3 million. I like it, man. Um, Dion Lewis, I was very disappointed in what I saw out of him against the Bears. Granted, it was one game where he wasn't playing to start. But nonetheless, man, he missed holes. He missed holes. I did it on my own live video this week. He flat out just missed holes. And I went back and watched Devontae Freeman. I went and watched two games. I went and watched one game where he had barely over four yards per carry. And then one game where he had less than four yards per carry um, in 2019 against the Jags. And then the, the early game against the Eagles. He's still got juice, man. He's still got el- elusiveness. Like, you look at the Eagles game, it's like, there's two runs in a row. It's like negative six yards, negative five yards. And he's literally getting hit as he gets tackled. So that kind of ruins his yards per carry. Granted, those are two games. The rest of the games could have been putrid. But he's still got juice. He gets used in the passing game a lot. I mean, let's go through just the, the raw stats on him, Justin. Um... In uh in 2019 he played he played 14 games had 184 carries 656 yards two touchdowns 3.6 yards per carry so that's not good um but in the receiving game he had 59 catches 410 yards four touchdowns um 2018 he had the injury the two injuries he only played two games and then 2017 where he played uh 14 games had uh over a thousand all-purpose yards well he had over a thousand all-purpose yards last year too. Uh, 4.4 nonetheless he's not the same guy but he's still elusiveness and hits a hole hard like I wasn't expecting much because you look at like his yards per carry went down and you know the whole you know running back 28 years old went and watched him he still got elusiveness I don't know I think I really can't compare it to his 2016 years but he still got elusiveness and this is an upgrade at the position 
and it's, I don't think it's even close. Yeah, I I 100% agree. No matter how uninspired I am by the position as a whole for running back, especially when we're talking about the offensive line still being a little inconsistent. Bobby, that offensive line, I really feel like they were ready to break out, and you broke that down in your offensive line video. We kind of hinted at it maybe a little bit on on a Monday show, but I really feel it's unfortunate that Saquon went down because he was in line for a big game. He had a, he had a nice play of five yards, a nice gain of 18 yards, but the one thing that we had last year without Saquon Barkley is John Hillman, who's just not a good running back, Wayne Gallman, who hasn't showed us anything spectacular, and then Deion Lewis, once finally he got an opportunity, he didn't hit he didn't hit a hole, and he didn't have great vision. So, Bobby, the one thing that we really need is, number one, we need continual offensive line consistency, where we can't have defenders just in the backfield, we can't have offensive linemen's backsides in the backfield when the running back gets the ball. I don't care if Barry Sanders is getting the ball back there. When the offensive linemen's backsides are in the backfield and the defenders are in the backfield, the running back ain't going anywhere. But when there is stuff available, Bobby, a guy needs to hit a hole. And, and you know, Freeman can at least do that. Uh, I asked Nick Ercolano, which if you remember from this summer, we had a fantasy football episode. Um, and also Nick Ercolano is a Falcons fan. So I tagged him. I said, hey, you got to come back to Giants Twitter for a couple seconds here because I knew that the Giants were going to sign Devonta Freeman. So here's what he had to say. He had a great few years, but for hope, hoping for anything resembling that is kind of irresponsible. He runs as hard as Derrick Henry, which is good, but he weighs 205 pounds, which is why the injuries started to accumulate. Too many lower body injuries plus lack of conditioning right now. Thrown into a big workload. It could hurt him. Um, major risk of injury early. He's wildly pessimistic about the signing, but he doesn't hate the player. Um, so if he's not getting a huge workload, and hopefully he's conditioned enough to handle whatever the Giants could put put at him. Yeah, the injuries are scary. Um, you know, the older you get, you just the more injuries you deal with, and this year has been weird. So that that is the worry, but that's that's also why it's an uh, uh, an incentive contract. Which funny, like Drew Rosenhaus is like he had other opportunities, but he he like passed up. He couldn't pass up. Same on thing the with Logan like, Ryan. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's yeah. The opportunity was money, uh, <laughs> but also so the but, injuries. But, but Bobby, but, I mean, let's let's just say this because obviously you're going to get more into the injuries right now. I would rather well, have a running back on the team right now that is going to hit a hole hard. And I don't care if he's 205 pounds. I would rather have a guy that's going to act like he's Derrick Henry and run like he's Derrick Henry rather than a guy who's timid and who may just be solely fast and solely quick and solely explosive. Because, Bobby, we just need more consistency in the run game. Uh, you know, gone is the home run ability that Saquon Barkley had. That's probably gone from this offense. But what this offense needs, and I guess I'll just get into one of my first stats, the Giants are last in the National Football League right now through two games with rushing first downs. They have six. Three of them are coming from the legs of Daniel Jones. We just need more consistency in the run game. We need the four, five, six-yard sprits here and there. And Devonta Freeman, I feel, can give us that if the line is ready to go. Absolutely. And I think we're going to be a little more pass-happy with Saquon. Yep. I think, like, uh, we'll we'll get into some play-action numbers later. I know you have some stuff on that. Mm -hmm. But teams were trying to stop. Well, the Steelers were trying to stop Saquon. It looked like Saquon was going to have a big game against Chicago. Yeah, they, they weren't putting um, seven, eight, nine guys big, in the box. They weren't. They were if, putting six guys if, in the box, and Saquon was going to Saquon would have played, so Ken would have had over 100 total yards. Um, that's like a guarantee in my mind. But anyways, um, Pittsburgh is like, we're going to stop the run. And that's why we had the Darius Slayton you know, play over the top, um, but also why there's offensive line struggles. So, yeah, Freeman – Good player. The injuries, heavy workload. I don't think he's going to have a heavy workload. Yeah. I think we're going to be more pass happy. Plus, like we've seen, we're not that good of a team. So we're going to be, pa I think we're going to be passing the ball a little more. And I think they're going to really just try and put this season in the hands of Daniel Jones. And I'm all for it. Um, I'm not like analytics people are like pass the ball 95% of the time. But because um, you do have to have some kind of a balance. But I do believe we'll be pass happy and they'll, you know, you don't have to worry about like getting a certain amount of carries out of your guy. It's basically just run it when it's good to run it, pass it when it's good to pass it, and and go from there. And he's a really good receiver too. Like it's you saw what Atlanta was trying to do because of his elusiveness. It was like because they did running back by committee. It seemed like with Freeman, it was like you are a receiving back, and we're trying to run the ball outside back. That that seemed to like the the role for Freeman in Atlanta the last couple of years. 
yeah, Bobby, I hope that we're past happy to start the game because we're being aggressive, which we're, you know, that, that conversation may just naturally come up. But overall, I do hope that the Giants are running the ball more because that means that games are a little bit more under control, even if we're not blowing out teams by multiple scores, like seven or, you know, by 10, 10 plus points. If you, if games are close and if games are with, are within three, if you have a lead of three, if you have a lead of seven points, you're running the ball and you're trying to, you know, have variance in your game plan. But it's when we're talking about when you're behind by 10 plus points, that's when the Giants, you know, are very reliant on Daniel Jones, which the Giants overall, I think the second half of last week, the fact that the majority of the middle of the third quarter and the fourth quarter, the game was relatively close. It was within seven points. That's, so those numbers look a little bit better in terms of their average time that they're behind. It's not as bad as last year, but we're also only two games in. Do we have anything else on Freeman? I know there's a Gallman question we'll get to later. Topher Pete did ask about the offensive line, so um, I do want to do a, little, a quick synopsis of what I learned. Nick Gates played really well, like really well. Um, Zeitler bounced back. Uh, Will Hernandez had a above-average game. Thomas struggled. Thomas struggled. I saw people like, he has been the worst tackle of the fourth. Like, man, we that's why I don't let people's like tweets bother me. It's like you guys' opinions just really changes with the wind. Thomas struggled, but it wasn't like it wasn't like a Nate Solder game. You know what I'm no. saying? Like we're like like <laughs> no. you say like Thomas struggled, but it was he wasn't a liability out there. He just had he had bad plays. Um in fact I did the whole like bad play um week one versus week two, twenty seven to nine. 20, like so, and that's and then 20, Cam Fleming actually pretty good. Twenty-seven total play, total bad plays from the line, and then nine plays the the second week that you counted, right? Yep. Okay. Now the Bears didn't do anything crazy either, but they had some really good players up front. Um, and Cam Fleming played halfway decent for at least what I expected. Um, the sack that he gave up was more of a coverage sack. It wasn't a good play. It was you know still a bad play on him, but nonetheless. And the play that Khalil um, Mack came screaming off the right side, it was six on five. So Khalil Mack was the free rusher mm-hmm. that play. Not sure you yep. can blame that on Fleming. No, that was only even on the left side too. That that wasn't that was on them not keeping the running back in or or Jones not getting rid of it quickly. Okay. So. The um, thing about Thomas, just quickly, this is something that Mark Colombo has previously talked about. And it's something pretty even sure that when Keenan Forney came on here, it's something that we asked him about Thomas his doing punch. this doing this tendency of when he has his initial punch, instead of going straight and efficient, shooting his hands out straight, he does this thing like he's in a high school band and he's clapping his uh his symbols, not his syllables. He's clapping his symbols. Um <laughs> that's what it looks like. You want, you know, you're you want to be a little bit more efficient in your punch with shooting out straight your hands. So that's I guarantee you know, also uh Quinn's a good player. Guarantee you, he's searching on film. What is Andrew Thomas's weaknesses? What are his What are his weaknesses? And the timing with this punch is probably something that Quinn saw, and he took advantage of it for that one sack. So, that's his weakness. That's his weakness. I mean, Colombo said it. Keenan Forney said it. I said it before the draft. That is his weakness. Is his punch is like you said, like doing um like like clanging symbols instead of um like an inside punch, and that is extremely correctable. Like if there's anything an offensive line can correct. It's that. So, yeah, next question. Next question from Topher Pete. We're going to get Topher Pete right out of the way. Topher Pete's highlighting the show. He's dominating the show so far. What do you guys think about Garrett's play calling? He honestly expected more. We also have a voicemail about Jason Garrett and this offense. What's going on, guys? This is Dan from Staten Island, New York. I, I think I'm a, think I'm a usual now on this uh, podcast. <laughs> um so my question is, uh, what can the Giants do to get this offense rolling? Because what I'm, from what I'm seeing, this defense looks like it can be top ten in this league and possibly the best in our division. However, we're not going to be able to win games if this offense is just playing dead for most of the game and then getting a little spark at some point and then just not really connecting, you know, like we got to start off aggressive in a game. We can't just, we can't just fall. We can't just play dead. All right. And uh, I just want to hear you guys' opinion on that, on uh, what the offense can do and everything. And if whether. 
All right, thanks, Dan. He asked about Devontae Freeman to finish it off. So thanks thanks for calling in, Dan. Uh, I know you got some stuff on this. Why don't you lead off? Yeah, so Dan from Staten Island, uh, first of all, thank you for calling once again. Keep on calling. This is a great question. Dan hits it on, that's the nail on the head. You know, it's something that we've talked about all summer about getting off to faster starts. And because if you're not getting off to fast starts and you're asking this defense to, you know, try to hold leads, which is tough for them to do. However, they've performed above expectation. But let's get to what, and even to Topher Pete's question about what we think about Garrett and how this offense can improve overall. Daniel Jones's yards per attempt, and this is from PFF, the Giants page had this really good stat today. Daniel Jones's yards per attempt on non-play action attempts is 5.3 yards. That's not great. That's not great, but let's let's get into the nuance and let's get into the context of what's happening here. Daniel Jones' yards per attempt on play-action attempts is slightly above 10 yards. So 10 yards per attempt where Daniel Jones is actually playing play-action. Now, averages can be skewed a little bit. The Giants have, have been one of the teams in the National Football League that have run play-action at the lowest rate, and that needs to change. That needs to change because think of the play-action attempts that have worked pretty successfully so far. I'm thinking of the 41-yard touchdown to Darius Slayton and a week one, and then I'm also thinking of the 20-yard play to Golden Tate this past weekend. Bobby, Daniel Jones on the season has two passing attempts that have gone for over 20 yards. He also has two completions that have gone for over 20 yards. Both of those attempts and completions were on play action. So so that's the stats, but here's what the film tells me. Second week against Chicago, we're in the third quarter. Golden Tate catches that 20-yard pass from Daniel Jones off of a play action fake. The next play is a first and 10. The Giants are passing once again, and you can see the defense immediately, immediately, and the linebackers particular, the linebackers in particular, because they are now respecting the deep ball down the field, and they're respecting the fact that the Giants offense just stretched the ball down the field. They are backing off from the intermediate part of the field, and the linebackers are really backing up. C.J. Board is wide open in the middle of the field, catches the ball on a little bit of a button hook, a little bit of a curl route, gets the yards after catch, and it's another first down after that. So, Bobby, we need to run play action more. We have run it one of the least. We've been, the Giants have been a team that has run, that has used pre-snap motion, and play action, one of the least in the National Football League. Those things help quarterbacks, and those things help offenses. They're not things that are disrupting the way offenses can go. It's not making things more complicated. So we need to utilize them more. It's criminal that Jason Garrett isn't utilizing those two things. Yeah, um, we he has we have been playing the Steelers and the Bears, so that's why I think the, the yards per attempt is a little low on this stuff, because... Um, hey, we wanted Jones to get the ball out quicker. He is getting the ball out quicker. Um, now I hope that's not how he plays like his career, but we said going like these first two weeks, maybe not so much San Francisco with how bang they banged up they are, but these first few weeks, we want him to get rid of the ball quickly. And also he has been doing that. And also we want him to be efficient as well. We want any quarterback to be efficient, but he's also been very efficient. We've talked about his completion percentage over expected numbers and how they've been positive. So allow the quarterback to take what's in front of him, and then he wants to take his shots, I expect him to complete it at a somewhat good rate when he takes his shots, and Daniel Jones has been pretty... He is. <laughs> and he's been, he's been pretty selective as to when he takes those shots, but the whole point is use play action more to stretch the field, because stretching the field is a good thing, and we want Daniel Jones to do that because he can be good at it. Yeah, the 10 to 20... Um, 20 range has been really good for Daniel Jones. Um, 20 plus, there's only two throws, but nonetheless, two completions. So he's been picking and choosing his battles. That's what we've wanted him to do. We don't want him to not be aggressive, but he has been picking and choosing his battles. So I've liked the way jo- I like the way Garrett has handled like Jones's mindset. I think part of that is just Jones maturing, anyways. Um, now it's only week two, and I refuse to overreact to an offensive coordinator after week two. But I haven't been really thrilled with no. uh, Jason Garrett, and more so in the running game. I talk about this in the offseason. The best offensive coordinators don't have like some like Cliff Kingsbury, Kyle Shanahan don't have like crazy passing games. Their creativity comes from the run game, what they do, and then from there things change up. Like look at Kyler. I watched Kyler Murray. 
he dinks and dunks. But his in the run game is where he makes plays and the Cardinals make plays. But in the pass game, he is a dinker and dunker. And DeAndre Hopkins has changed as a wide receiver in that offense. Where with the Texans, there was a lot of deep stuff. With the Cardinals, he's honestly playing a Michael Thomas role. Just more outbreaking routes than Michael Thomas. So that's we're in the creativity. But Jason Garrett's like run game, it's inside zone, outside zone, a little bit of duo, power O, and a crack toss. I mean, it's bland. We're playing like we're playing behind the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. And while the Giants offensive line played good against Chicago, it's they're not earth movers like that Dallas Cowboys offensive line. So the run game has just been really uninspired. I mean, we I broke it down against Pittsburgh where it's like, why are we running into these stacked boxes? So that I haven't liked about Garrett. There just seems to not be a ton of creativity. I get you, you know, at the end of the day, you line up and you, you a QB reads defenses and you go from there. But make it... Give the give the guy some type of easy plays. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And run some read freaking option. Yeah. Run some read option. Back defensive ends are not respecting that. Anyways, all right. So that's that's what I got on Garrett. Yeah, no, but that's that's good. And I'm glad you brought up the read option thing because a lot of there there's been a lot of questions that I've gotten this week about should Daniel Jones be running more? And I'm scared. I'm scared by that. But also you look around the NFL and Obviously, Daniel Jones is no Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, where you're going to be having designed plays. Where even like they even saw Mitchell Trubisky do it this week. How he was taking those those you know out, it was like outside zone, except quarterbacks. The quarterback was just taking it all the way towards the outside. Wasn't extremely successful for them, but you saw it's becoming part of the game now, where it is designed quarterback runs. And you know, Dan, I don't think Daniel Jones should be getting any specific designed quarterback runs. But read options every once in a while, like you said, Bobby, to just keep a defense honest has to happen, has to happen. So you don't have guys like Bud Dupree who are screaming down the line of scrimmage and they're the backside defender and they're screaming down the line of scrimmage and they know that the running back is going to get the ball and there's no there's no need to stay disciplined and not over pursue. Yeah, for sure. All right. Next question. Next question we have. We have our man, JMS, at Moostermind. I believe he was the... John Messina, creator of the Danny Dines nickname. Yeah, yeah. I did that. I found that out. Hashtag journalism. What's the point of Gallman being on this team if he can't be trusted when Barkley goes down? Gallman has these weird fans um, in Giants Nation, and it <laughs> weirds me out. What has he done that where people believe in him? I mean, I went through the last uh, games, and this is from most recent to the last three years. Where he had four plus carries, 3.5 yards per carry, 2.6, 3.83, 2.71, 3.2, 5, 4.25, 4.17. Those are good. 3.57. Um, a total for, or sorry, 3.57 is the total for the last three years. 80 carries for 286 yards. He doesn't do anything for me. And honestly, they don't believe in him. They brought in Devontae Freeman because they don't believe in Wayne Gallman being the backup running back or Deion Lewis being the starter. So now Deion Lewis is the backup. Why not go out and get some young, unknown guy? We see it all the time where these undrafted guys, they don't become like eight-year starters, but they, you could get a, a good couple years out of them. Why not go and try and find that guy? And if he flashes, he can move into that starter role. And if he doesn't, um, then you just you do it again because Wayne Gallman is just wasting a roster spot. Wayne Gallman is never going to be that good. You may Maybe he goes somewhere else in balls. I don't see it happening. He doesn't do anything that inspires me. So why not go and try and find a guy and maybe we can find someone that like can be the backup next year to yeah. Saquon. Like I just don't understand what the point of keeping Wayne Gallman on the roster is. I was like I'm not mad about it because at the end of the day he's the third string running back, so it's not like something where I'm like how does this team duh, 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 duh. but I also like agree like what's what's the point of him being on the roster? Saquon Barkley was put on IR today, so I'm pretty sure that there's no Giants running back that is cemented to be on the roster in 2021. There's not a single one. So I think yeah. that's that's where your point comes in, where we kind of already know what we have in Wayne Gallman, and Wayne Gallman may be at the point in his career where if he has somewhat of a good stretch of this season where he plays, he's going to want to be looking for possibly you know a, a million dollar, two million dollar deal, which I don't know if we want to be giving that out to Wayne Gallman, who maybe doesn't provide much in the pass-catching category, and you would want your second-string running back behind Saquon Barkley to be a little bit more of a pass-catcher. So 
I, I'm Gallman with you. will hit a hole. That's all I give him yeah. credit for. Yeah, um, I, I'm with you. Mr. They're... Brownstone said in the chat that they watched the Washington game and he saw score two touchdowns throughout everything else. And I loved how like people use it like, see, Gallman, two touchdowns. Guy's good. He had less than four yards per carry, a fumble, and the receiving touchdown was literally Jones moved a linebacker with his eyes, and Gallman was wide open for a swing pass touchdown at the two-yard line. And it was his fifth so, like, That game did not impress me. And... Like, look what Saquon did against that Washington defense later in the year. He averaged like 15 yards <laughs> yeah. per carry. And the game before that against Washington. So I was like, having less than four yards per carry and two touchdowns against Washington isn't what's going to make me, um, like, is going to inspire me. Which is funny, by the way. People are going crazy over Kyler Haskins, or Kyler Haskins, Kyler Murray for going one touchdown, one interception against Washington. But no one says, oh, but it's Washington. Anyways, don't, I, I'm, I'm not doing that rant. I'm not doing that rant. Anyways, yeah, I agree. What's the point of having Wayne Gallman on the roster? I know I'm going to get replies tomorrow because there is Wayne Gallman stands, but I just don't get it. Show it. Bobby, we've talked about Wayne Gallman way too much on this show. I'm at the point where it's like, hey, if you're going to get the opportunities, you got to show it. And clearly, if the Giants believed in Wayne Gallman, like Giants Twitter believed in Wayne Gallman, Devonta Freeman would not be on this football team. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Exactly. So I, people have been mentioning Javon Leak. Clearly, they don't think Javon Leak's good. So... There's got to be, like, look at James Robinson with the Jaguars. I'm not saying you're going to find a franchise guy, but you can find someone who could be good in a spot here or there. Yeah. Um, and when Saquon is back, we need someone who doesn't need five-plus carries to have a decent game. We need someone who can make a big play here or there. And that's why Deion Lewis kind of was brought in, because his receiving ability is, like, the best part of Deion Lewis's game. Yeah. All right, next question. Got a question about Pat Graham's defense. I mean, I've, I've loved seeing the defense so far, but I think he made a big mistake on Sunday when uh, the Bears had the ball up four, looking to run the clock out, and Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams weren't on the field to start the game or start the drive, rather. I just doesn't make any sense to me, man. You got your two best run stuffers on the bench. In an obvious running situation, it just doesn't make any sense to me. I would love to see what you guys have to say about that. With Thanks for calling, um, one. I didn't get your name on here, but thank you for calling. Yeah, you hit on it on the, the Williams, um, uh, Williams, Dexter Lawrence stuff on Monday. So I'll let you lead off with that, and then I have some other Patrick Graham stuff that will be like a mixed bag of negative and pop, but mostly positive, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of went on my rant on Monday's show about how that's absolutely unacceptable, how for the first two plays of that drive, of that final Bears drive, the Giants allowed rushing plays of 11 and 10 yards. And the defensive line that we had on the field for those plays were Dalvin Tomlinson, B.J. Hill, and Austin Johnson. Um, first two plays of the most important drive of the game where your defense needs to stop after your offense just scored and your offense just brought it to within four points. You need to stop and don't give me the, you're tired crap. Don't give it to me. Don't give it to me. You pay a guy $16 million and you draft Dexter Lawrence in the first round. I get it. If it's a 10 play drive and they need a break and they need a breather, fine. They're big boys. First two plays of the drive, Bobby. We have too much money. Too much value, too much resources invested in stopping the run on this football team for Austin Johnson to get his ass kicked in the most important part of the game. But I have some other I have some other stats. Largely Austin Johnson is gonna get the most unintentional hate of on this team this year, by the way. I just want I just want everyone to know Austin Johnson will be the guy who doesn't deserve the hate, but it's gonna get the hate this year. He got his ass kicked on that final drive, Bobby. Uh, you know, maybe he made some good plays week one where we weren't talking about I mean, he's the fifth him. defensive tackle. So, like, I mean, what do you expect? Yeah, so I guess I'm, I'm more or less just mad at Graham and Judge compared to compared to actually Austin Johnson. Hey, but if Aust- there, there's a reason why Austin Johnson was signed, and clearly they believe in him enough for him to be in, in that in that game in the most important part of the game. So, you know what? It's everyone's fault. I hate everyone. Uh, it sucks when you lose, but I have a quick stat. <laughs> Look at um, this negative Nancy right here. <laughs> I, have, I have a quick stat, and it's not a complicated stat. So, Football Outsiders keeps track of a few things. They keep track of... How effective uh, run defense uh, are are stuff are they create stuffed runs in terms of you know how often they're stuffing runs, but also second level yards stuff. Yeah, which is the 
how do they stuffing. define? They don't they don't give a clear definition of stuffs, which I believe that's within zero to four that's yards. What you put in a turkey. Um, that is true, stuffing. But second level yards of they keep track of how many times opposing running backs and opposing offenses uh get between five to ten yards. The Giants rush defense largely is pretty good and they rank pretty high in a lot of different categories but in this second level rank they actually rank 18th in the national football league where a little below average the giants are allowing a decent amount of five to ten yard gains so they are stuffing a ton they're stuffing a lot of uh uh opposing offenses and a lot of running a lot of you know these first two games leonard williams and dexter lawrence have done an awesome job but also They've gashed and they've allowed some big rushing plays and it didn't show more than that final drive where they allowed, like I said, a, a runs of 11 yards, 10 yards. A Mitchell Trubisky run was 12 yards as well. And then, of course, on the first and 23, they allowed 23 yards. So, yeah, that's that's right. tough. It's brutal. Now, when you look at the big picture, though, the defense has been much more than we expected. Yes. So that's what I want. Like. You know, this is what this show, when you do three podcasts about the New York Giants in a week, you're going to have to nitpick at stuff. And I agree, that stuff is worth nitpicking. But as a whole, the defense has been very impressive and much higher than what our expectations were. Like, yes, is balancing bad? But they've done a pretty good job of hiding him. And I, I understand that he gave up that touchdown. I think I think Yedem actually is going to be the guy going forward. Not that he's anything special, but I think like he will be the starter. I don't think they're going to be mixing reps with Ballantyne too much. Um, Ballantyne's young. He still, I think he still needs time. He's got talent, but nonetheless, um, I just didn't like the three man rushes. I, I felt like they were worried about Trubisky running for 10 yards, but in reality, Trubisky was running in the backfield and guys were finding Cause there was yeah. good coverage on the back end. Like that touchdown to start the game. There was very good coverage on the back end. And I mean, he had eight seconds to throw the freaking ball. Cause he, you know, ran around and plays are going to happen that way. So I love what he's doing on the back end with coverage. I, I really do. Just get rid of the three-man rushes. The stats show that they're not good. I mean, it's flat out. The stats, I can't. I think I did it last uh, episode, like one for six third downs with three-man rushes. And um, and then the, like like six for seven when they didn't rush, um, uh, when they rushed more than three on third down. So just get rid of that. I love what he's doing on the back end. I feel like he's doing a good job of hiding Ballantyne. Um, and that cornerback too. You can't completely hide those guys, but I feel like he's doing a good job. And I love the three three safety looks, sometimes four. But I will say, we need an inside linebacker to step up next to Blake Martinez, especially going against teams like the 49ers, especially against teams like the Rams that are going to run the ball and do it successfully. Because asking Peppers to be a true inside linebacker on first, second, and third down it's just they're not. It's not the same position. And Lorenzo Carter and Fackrell have played that a little bit. We need someone that has played inside linebacker. And Downs hasn't really been good when he has got the reps, but he's also only had like ten reps a game. So he also hasn't like he hasn't been able to get into a good rhythm. So Downs or Crowder needs a step up. We need someone who we can trust to play number two inside linebacker. I love the three safety looks. But I'm telling you, against the 49ers, I watched the Packers do it, and the 49ers gassed them in two games yeah. with Blake Martinez. And you go and look like, oh, Blake Martinez got blocked here. I'm telling you, that's when Blake Martinez said, I had the play cleanup. That's what he's talking about right there. It's because there's times where it's like, oh, look, Blake Martinez didn't make the play, but you have a safety and another guy taking the same gap. So we need one of those guys to step up going forward. I love the three safety looks. I've repeated that 90 million times. But we need one of those guys to step up and play some real reps for the Giants on early downs. Yeah, especially not to totally get too into San Fran mode, but especially when we're talking about starting quarterback being out and so many pieces on that offense missing in the first place, Kyle Shanahan is going to scheme and rely on his scheming more than ever. More than ever. And he already has this great capability of finding the flaws in your defense. And right now, Bobby... I guess a po- to to spin this into a positive, Dornay Holmes played very well last week. Uh, he Anthony Miller didn't have a single catch, and there was a third down where Dornay Holmes made like a diving. I don't know if you count it as a pass deflection. I do because he just had really good coverage and he got his hand in there. He made a play on the football. I'll count that as a pass deflection in my brain. So really, the only weakness that we're talking about right now is cornerback two. And I think I think this could even go into a mailback question that all things Giants asked. Cornerback two, 
interior linebacker too. Those are the at least on the defensive side of the ball. Those are the two big weak spots that we feel like Shanahan could target. Yeah. Yep. All right. Hit the next question. Yeah. So all things Giants. What's the biggest concern for you guys right now? Is it cornerback two? The defensive lines, run defense, right tackle. Uh, I have a different answer, but Bobby, I'll let you go first. I've been talking too much. Right tackle. Um, we have like what we think will be the answer there eventually. Matt Parrott, so not there. The run defense. I'm actually confident it's going to be good going forward. Yeah. You know, I think it's a. I, I'm confident in the run defense going forward. And cornerback two is the answer to me. One, because it's I think it's literally the weakest starter on the team. And we have no idea of who will fill that position eventually. So cornerback two, I feel like, is an easy answer for me. Honestly, Bobby, it's wide receiver for me. We'll save the conversation for Friday about what this offense looks like post-Sterling Shepard. But you've been everybody has been listening to this show since the summer. They know how much I love Sterling Shepard. They know how much I view Sterling Shepard to be so important to this offense because he's that intermediate security blanket for Daniel Jones. And since Daniel Jones' yards per attempt and his and his average uh, depth of target has been relatively low, you typically need guys that create some separation in the, in the intermediate part of the field to find zones and to get open. Shepard has been that security blanket, um, and it's tough that he's, that he's hurt because Golden Tate, you know, his his role is still up in the air, I feel, in this offense. Darius Slayton is more of a stretch-the-field kind of guy, so he's naturally not really going to get a ton of separation. Evan Ingram has just been so shaky, and, you know, he may be, we, we may be experimenting with him at wide receiver. So wide receiver is my biggest concern spot right now. All right, next question. I think speaking of Ingram, we'll jump back to the offense. Um, this is from Tim Coffey. Okay, let's dive deeper into Engram being a wide receiver, square uh, square pegs round hole. He put that in parentheses. He's a Z, which is X, Y, Z. Those are wide receiver. So Z is an outside wide receiver. He can be moved into a slot and not needed to be a polished route guy. What he is is a big-bodied, fast guy that, that can expose matchup issues. If that's how you present him, please dive into this. So he's basically talking about he's been pushing this for... A lot of most of the summer, uh, Tim Coffey's been saying Evan Ingram is a wide receiver. I hope this take isn't reactionary. Um, Evan Ingram played 31 snaps at wide receiver um, in this last game. I think I've been broken. I really think I have been. I, I'm. Let's see what Evan Ingram is as a wide receiver. Doesn't mean you can't like pull him in here and there. But I, I show me, show me what it is. And Caden Smith has been pretty good at blocking. He hasn't really been a huge impact in the receiving game. Well, he hasn't been, um, especially with with Shepard out. Let me see what uh, Evan Ingram can do as a wide receiver. Put him put him out in the slot and let him play wide receiver. And he was our leading receiver last week. Yeah, I, it wasn't a ton. It was six catches, sixty eight yards. But I I've been I've been broken. Let's see what he can do at wide receiver. For me, Bobby, I kind of paid particular attention to him in the all twenty two. I'll play devil's advocate. He has not, I hate to be the stereotypical Giants fan that says Evan Ingram has not been used in creative ways. I feel the only route that he's run is a curl route and, and an out route. That's the only thing that he's run. He hasn't been able to go on a drag route. He hasn't been given a slant. He hasn't even been given a streak down the field to maybe even have an opportunity for a jump ball. Now, here's the problem with Evan Ingram at wide receiver. He's not quick. He's fast. So if guys are going to get their hands at, on him at the line of scrimmage, it's going to take a while for Evan Ingram to get off of the line of scrimmage. He is not naturally quick. He is fast. Now, I don't think he's slow. He's not. I think he's more physical than a corner. But then he's also playing against corners where he can, or his physicality does show up a little bit. Sure, sure. But still, I, I think... And you're not going to get jammed out of the slot spot a lot either. I think... This, he is more fitted, his strengths are more fitted as a tight end, as a receiving tight end, not a blocking tight end in 13 personnel. But he is going to have... have a re, we got to have... You have to do both now. I know, we yeah. Because Shep we can't is out. Have, yeah, we, we, we cannot have a guy who can't block a tight end. Yeah, clearly, we can't do it. clearly in Garrett's offense, he can't. Yeah, it's, it, just, it just cannot happen. But I do, um, but I mean, how about, you know, give him a drag route, give him a couple, you know, the, this, the slant and goes whenever, if he has some separation on him, you know, give him these Odell Beckham Jr. slants, you know, give me more than just a button hook and an out route. 
that I, I will I will say that I tried to pay particular attention to that in the old 22 where he's expected to do the same thing over and over again he's he it's it's literally impossible for this man to get any kind of yards after the catch because they're not putting him in optimal opportunities where he can turn up field and catch the ball while he's in stride they're not giving him those opportunities Bobby yeah a lot of frustrating things with the offense, man. I mean, we have the least amount of points per game in the NFL right now. So there's a lot of things to be frustrated with on the offense. I have faith I have faith in this offense. I have faith in the offensive line. I honestly do. I have faith in Daniel Jones. Um, I know we're not great with separation numbers, but I also don't hate the receiving core. Um, it, we just, it needs to happen. We need, we need to get things to click. I don't know how that happens, but something, something, something's got to click here. And I think it will. I think it's we are two games. We have to tell ourselves we are in a, a weird offseason with a whole new staff, with a young team. Like stuff will take time. And we had two hard ass matchups. Yep. Like we had the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are a top five defense, and the Bears, who are a very good defense, who, you know, uh, you know, less than two years ago was the best defense in the NFL. And they still have most of you know, most of those players. They have a rookie cornerback in Jalen Johnson who has has looked like a top five corner the first two weeks. So we also have to remember who we have played. It was supposed to be just as hard this week against San Fran. Um with the injuries, it looks like it might lighten up a little bit. But yeah, I I, I think we need to remember big picture where we're at right now. Yeah. And the thing that's a little bit more disheartening about the offense is with the the low points scored. Through the first two weeks of the season, the Giants have, on average, the fifth best starting field position. I think they have an average starting field position of like the 37, 37 and a half yard line, which is, again, not taking advantage of opportunities, which was a theme of the first week. And it was also a theme of the second week. That Darius, I'll tell you what, Bobby, that Darius Slayton dropped third down pass. Uh, tough. Screwed us. Tough. I'm not going to be mad at Slayton because he is like our best wide receiver and it was one play, but that, that screwed us. Can I also get into We might something? win the game. We, there's a good chance we win the game if he catches that. Yeah, All can, right, go ahead. Yeah, can I also get... This is going to be very, very quick. And we talked about it on Monday, but I kind of want to expand upon the context a little bit more to this one play. Darius Slayton drops that ball. Giants kick a field goal. The Bears drive a little bit, but the Giants defense forces a punt. That next drive, the Giants have a third and three. Daniel Jones has that flip ball to... 92-yard drive. Deion Lewis. That eventually led to a touchdown, and at that point, Bobby, it was 17-3. to If Daniel Jones does not make that risky play and he doesn't flip the ball, we punt the ball, and we yep. we there is no chance in hell that we even come back in that football game if Daniel Take Jones doesn't make that Take one play. Take the sack. Take the sack. Shut up. Young QBs make mistakes. I want him making mistakes. I don't want turning him into check down Charlie. I don't want him being Derek Carr. I don't want him being Marcus Mariota. He will make mistakes. We're gonna cut it down. Yeah, no duh, no duh. Does he? Oh, does he need to make less mistakes? Boy, y'all get me riled up with that stuff. All right, and like, and Brian Porras just said in the chat, they literally had three weeks of practice. They had no OTAs and three weeks of practice. All right, next question. Twelve padded practices, I think they've had so far. Um, this is from Mr. Brownstone. And speaking of thing, looking at things big picture, are you guys ready to get on this five-game winning streak? I'm so sick of these fans. I'm so sick of these fans. Five-game win streak. Five-game win streak. Are you a loser? 14-game win streak. Suck it. Going 14-2. and two. Everyone that asked me how the season's going to end up, we're going 14-2. and two. I do want to look at the schedule. I hate that I'm doing this. I do want to look at the schedule. Because maybe, yeah, win, maybe win, 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 win. I'm not gonna. Win, win, win. I'm not gonna say wins losses. We're playing San Fran this week. We know that. Then we travel to L.A. Tough. Then we travel to Dallas. Tough. So that's one, two, three, four. We're home against Washington. Yay. And we're at Philly. Tough. Anytime we're in the link, it's tough. So three and two. Optimistic. Optimistic take. Three and two. Very optimistic. Okay. Um, Next question. Uh, uh, Patty Mack. Outside of Dave Maggett, who is the best kick slash punt returner in Giants history? This one's easy for me. Say it. Ron Dixon. What about Dominic Hickson? I 
I'm not sure, honestly. I I I mean, I I'm I'm still young, so I'm gonna go Dominic Hickson. I he had I remember his first touchdown. Uh, I think it was against the Steelers. Um, Eli's rookie year, I think he had one. I know he had one against New England. Um, the Super Bowl year, week seventeen. Dominic Hickson. I've seen him. I've seen him return a bunch of kicks returns for touchdowns. Um, so I'm I'm going Dominic Hickson. Yeah, Ron. I Dixon. know there's gonna be some old head who's gonna be like, you don't know who Sean Landetta is, and leave me alone, Topher Pete. That was me who called you out for Sean Landetta. That was yeah, me. Topher Pete asked a question about it. Thank you, Jeff Patty Eagles. Mac. I'm a Jeff. I'm a Jeff Eagles guy. That was a that was a great question. Um, enter name here. Enter name here. Thirty three. I know you don't want to discuss this, which is a great way to preface a question. Th- thank you for acknowledging that we probably don't want to talk about this. That means that we will talk about it if you preface it that way. But who do you two prefer as prospect, Justin Fields or Trey Lance? Hoping Danny Dimes prove he's worthy of keeping on the field for another year. Bobby, I'm gonna let you run with this because. Neither QB KJ Costello, six foot five, two hundred fifteen pounds, out of Mississippi State. It's St- Stanford transfer, so he plays in that pro style offense. Gets a year under Mike Leach's offense. Um, had a little bit of injury. Mix that air raid with pro style. Um, KJ Costello. No, I'm just kidding. I haven't watched any of these guys. I don't really care because we're not going to take any of them. Um, if there's a QB you want to look at that could be a replacement for Daniel Jones, look at Sam Howell two years from now. How about that? How if about Daniel, uh? If- after year three, we're down. Look at Sam Howell out of UNC. How about that? Stop looking. And I'm so sick of like the Trevor Lawrence is like the greatest prospect of all time. Like he may be a great QB. Look at his last game against a real defense. And it was worse than any Daniel Jones NFL game. Straight up. Um, and he had great talent around. Him. All right. I just, we're not doing that this year. We're not going to be, we'll talk about the draft after the season. How about, uh, uh, the next Manning that's that's in high school right now. Oh, Arch Arch Manning. Yeah. Oh, what's going on in your house? Police five zero. They racing somebody in real trouble right now. Oh boy. Gasman said um, the last question is fourteen consecutive um, seventy seven to zero wins. You know that there's people that reply to that tweet like after the game and be like this age bad. I they, love I love the internet. They just don't get it. They they respond to my seventy seven to zero tweet saying this aged poorly. They just they just don't get it, Bob. Those are my favorite people in the entire world. I'm not mad at them. I, I love those people. Do you think those um, people just want to be miserable? Every time anytime I see something that's like outrageous, I think, do I know this guy? Could he be making a sarcastic joke? And I don't reply. Because like if someone like came like this guy thinks Alex Tanny is the go which he is, like People think so. That's whenever you see someone's name you don't know, ask, are they being uh, being sarcastic? All right, next question. Snacks is KJ currently Costello, though. Remember the name. Snacks is currently watching on Patreon right now, and he took a picture of his middle finger with our yeah, faces in the it. background. Um, he doesn't know how to click on the chat. He's doing it from the Patreon page, dummy. That's tough. All right, I'm not surprised. Uh, last question. What a dummy. Last question. asked. How do you guys record after losses? Now, it's not tough because this is, at the end of the day, like you just get in front of the microphone. But it does suck. And you're and everyone is testy after losses. So um, in my mind, I'm like, like you, if you make one mistake after a loss, people will be all over you. And so it's it, like, that's why I, I we try and wait like three, four hours before we do it. But it's just people all over you. And it's like, I just ha- I'm going to be honest to myself. I'm going to talk about what I saw. And it's it's frustrating because you have half the people saying why like this like you need to be more positive, and then the other half is saying you're being too negative, when really we're just trying to call it like we see it, and then also not pretend like we know more than the coaching staff at the end of the day. Um, so it's it's it. Let me put it this way: it's way more fun after wins. Everything is way more fun after a win. The numbers are more fun after a win. Um, yeah, yeah. But the off season is nice because we get to just like. It's like our diehards, people that listen to the Giants podcast in the middle of June. Um, you're listening now. You're nuts, and we love you. You are what keeps us going. Um, but it's like you can be a little more free with them, where after losses, you got people who are just like, they're not really, they don't really even like you. They just want to hear what you're saying. If you make one mistake, they will tweet at you all day. Everybody loves me. I don't know what you're talking about. We'll see. Everybody. Uh, all right. I love you. I oh, love you. wow. That's, That's the nicest thing you've ever said to me. 
I know, and I'm already regretting it. I don't feel comfortable <laughs> saying that. Yeah, I was like, I, I, all right, I was a little uncomfortable when you said, I, I love you. See, I'm trying to protect you. That's what, that's what, see, my protective instincts went in. How do we record after losses? With pure heart, grit, determination, and the fire of the success. The Joe Judge way. Yes, the Joe and Judge we're kinda way. And we're kind of used to it at this point. Yeah. I when, I when I saw this question, I went back. If you ever want to listen to just a bad, dejected podcast, listen to me and Danny talk about the Eagles Monday Night Football loss. <laughs> One, we recorded like 45 minutes afterwards. It was nine straight losses. And we like we had the lead, 14-0, to zero, and we lost in overtime. That's the worst podcast I've ever done. And then I think the one after that was probably the best. All right. Is that is that it? I believe that's it. I'll do a quick little quick little scroll. We did get a voicemail that was very vulgar, but I respect it because of how yeah. vulgar it was. We got it on Sunday night, and this person was very upset about losing, but we can't play it because it's too much. Yeah, if you guys want to trash us, like I you can say the meanest things about us. Just don't curse and then we'll put it on the podcast. Like I would love to play this voicemail, but we can't. Um like you be as mean as you want to be and we'll we'll play it. I mean, we've played prank calls on here. Like if you prank call us, we will play. I mean, I actually kind of like those more. Um Should we just call the guy that did it? Nope. Nope. I think we should end it. I think we're at a good time. For a Wednesday show, when we're going to have an episode in two days anyway, I think we're at a good time. We should call him. Nope, don't derail it. Don't derail like, don't it. Don't you dare ever, don't you ever call into my show like that, talking like that again. You can shoot him a text. That is a thing that you can do on Google Voice. Shoot him a text. Just like, I will murder you. No, um, no, don't all right. say that. Alright, <laughs> alright, that's the show. We'll be back Friday with uh, our, our 49ers preview. Which the preview show is actually becoming my favorite show of the week. Now, that might change if we get a freaking win. Please give us a freaking win. Uh, So we'll be back Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.